Hey everyone, this is Rose Daly, the City Sustainability Coordinator of Sun Prairie, and you're listening to the Sustainable Sun Prairie Podcast, the show that aspires to educate, empower, and engage our listeners in all aspects of sustainability. Whether you are a seasoned sustainability enthusiast or just beginning your sustainability journey, each episode will have something new and exciting for everyone. Let's begin the conversation for a greener community. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our very first episode of Sustainable Sun Prairie. I am so excited you are here with us today as we kick off this podcast series that is focused on ways we can achieve a greener and brighter future together. So we're going to jump right in here with our very first episode where we are going to discuss the bigger picture of sustainability. What does sustainability mean? We're going to lay a really nice foundation here in this episode that will help us move forward with this podcast. Now, joining me here today is a very special guest who's going to help me unpack the concept of sustainability. Andy Hervela is a supervisory engineer at Sun Prairie Utilities and is one of the biggest sustainability enthusiasts that I know. Hi, Andy. How are you doing today? I'm doing well today. Thank you. Uh, It's it's wonderful to be here. We're on the uh, world premiere of this world podcast. World premiere, yes. Right? Uh, reaching to the masses. So I'm, I'm genuinely excited to, to dig into this topic and, and uh, get started here. Thank you. And I'm so glad you're here with us today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I started with the utility in 2001 as an apprentice lineman. Uh, went through the training program to be a journeyman lineman. Um, was in that role for about, uh, you know, total apprentice and journeyman for about 12 years or so. Decided to go back to school uh, at night uh, after that. And um, was able to get into a position of an operations engineer uh, once I graduated. Um, and then, like a year after that, was offered the water supervisor position as well to kind of tack onto the engineering part. So now I essentially design what I used to build and then also uh, supervise the water department for the utility. So it's, it's awesome. been fun. Um, but I am uh, as much a, a resident of Sun Prairie as I am a utility employee. So I've been a, a resident of Sun Prairie ever since I, I came here. I lived above the uh, professional building downtown. So it was right Ooh, across the street okay. from work above uh, Baldwin Eye Care for a name drop. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was water and light at the time. Um, and then now, of course, still live in town. Uh, I live in the city of Sun Prairie on the east side with my family and that. So um, very much uh, involved in the community, enjoy the community. Um, but at the core, you know, I'm a, a lifelong learner. So yes. this is this is perfect. That's why the topic of sustainability means so much, uh, because it means a lot for some prairie. It's very interesting to bring it to here in a focused way. And then, of course, uh, just uh, to be here today in, in uh, Sustainability 101, I guess. Like I said, I'm as much a student um, as anything else. So. Alrighty, so let's jump straight into our content. Let's do it. The word sustainable is in the title of this podcast, so that means this word is important enough for us to make an entire you know, podcast series about it. So I want to first start by just talking about the word sustainability. I recently went on Google Ngram. Have you used that before, Andy? I have not. Okay, so Google Ngram, that. that will tell you and show you the historical usage of any word or phrase you type into Google Ngram. So the other day, I put the word sustainable and sustainability into Google Ngram. Oh, boy. And, yeah, essentially from, like, 19 or, yeah, 1900s up until the 80s, it was a flat line. No one was talking about sustainability, mm. right? That wasn't really on the forefront for society. But then in 1980, we first start to see a very gradual climb in the word sustainability. And then as we move into the year 2000, 2010, we see that word shooting up. It's in everyone's vocabulary now. And I feel like this is one of the biggest buzzwords of the 21st century. 
I think I'd agree with that. I think every day I'm hearing the word sustainability. I turn on the news and I'll see news reporters say the U.S. is ramping up their sustainability yeah. efforts. I'll see businesses that say, hey, we're going to start implementing sustainable business practices. I have friends who say, hey, I'm going to start doing X, Y and Z to live more sustainably. So we hear this word around us every single day. And honestly, I feel like the word sustainability is being overused and in some cases abused. And I feel like it has become so diluted that it almost has become meaningless. Hmm. Do you feel the same way? You know, I'm, I am concerned that sustainability may shift towards the, like the, I don't know, the fat-free, the whole wheat, the organic, uh, you know, mindset label where somebody puts it on a, a package or something and it makes you feel a certain way make a choice you know with a, a good or a service that uh that happens because you use the word you know mm -hmm. it's the word it's um i think we were doing um probably sustainable things before the the engram ticked up but it wasn't wasn't given that word but now it is exactly like you said a, right a buzzword so people know that it's a buzzword companies know that it's a buzzword and um to be sustainable is a is a good thing so people want to be into that but i am i i was concerned that it was uh just the word was being used in that way but you know sustainability i think to me should be a, a life skill kind of almost like sure. uh, learning to ride a bike or, or speak a language or something like that yeah it's probably its own language you know mm -hmm. quite frankly um <clears throat> but it has to be learned it has to be taught um it has to generate some sort of measurable action i think i'm an engineer I like metrics and measure um and and to generate outcomes on success you know kind of like okay i was taught to ride a bike now I can ride a bike, I can ride to this place, or I can converse with someone in that language that I learned. It's, it's showing that you have been successful, and I think we need to do that. But it really should be, you know, sustainability should be woven into our, our choices that we make for our bodies, or, you know, our minds, um, professional, personal lives, all that stuff. It, it should be that, that uh, inherent skill that we have. So we do, you know, of course, still need a, a definition for it, I think, mm -hmm. for, for ourselves and uh, for the community, actually, as a whole, because it gives... It gives some shape to, to that word, especially for us. We want to define our shape um, in Sun Prairie, and um, so I, you know, metaphorically, and get my arms around it. I can, I can <laughs> understand it. So absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's move into what is the official definition of this, you know, overused buzzword. So according to the United Nations, sustainability is meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Okay, so what do you think about that? So there are two things I love about this. Okay. I love that we're focusing on needs, not wants. We live in a society of consumerism, like I want this, I want that. But no, that has no place in sustainability. We're focusing on what do we actually need to live and survive and be happy on this planet. And then I also like that we focus on future generations. Sure. In our consumeristic society, it's me, me, me. How mm -hmm. is this going to affect me right now? But Sustainability challenges us to think about the future. How will my actions today impact my kids' future, impact the future of the planet? So those are the two things I love about this definition. What about I you? I, I think it's tough to wrap your brain around thinking about a thousand years from now or something like that. That is you know? tough. Um, we are, are beings that have a, a lifespan, of course, so you're, you're, you're definitely into that. But um, you do. It is a challenge. You have to get out there. Um, so I've been working on my definition for a little bit. It's been changing ever so often. Um, I wanted to keep it simple, almost like a mission statement, so I can I can remember it easily. Um, when I'm asked, maybe on a podcast like this, what the <laughs> you know what my uh, sustainability definition is. So I have chosen um, adaptable longevity. So mm. um, 
for the planet, for your person. It can be hopefully used lots of places. So, you know, just saying sustain things by definition is to, is to keep going. You know, you are to, you know, providing longevity probably through good stewardship. But that, I think that adaptability part is key because things are going to change. Um, yeah. Um, things that, that worked one way may not work the same on the exact same problem because there's been a difference or something. So we always have to be evaluating ourselves as, you know, our people, our profession, our companies. Um, so can we? So we can refine and and improve those things. Um, I always like to say uh, it's a co- my coin phrase that we we innovate, and then we celebrate. I think that's important, and then and then we get back to work. So um, sustainability to me is that adaptable adaptable longevity. But it is a like a multi generational initiative. Mm-hmm. I, we really do need everybody. Um, I think of it almost like a like a seesaw. So you have. Um, the older generation on one side, you know, and we need their, their wisdom and they've, they've seen some stuff, you know, they've been through some things and that's, that's important to draw from. Mm-hmm. And we need the younger generation that has the, uh, the fresh ideas, hopefully a little less cynicism than, uh, than myself or the older generation. And then they just have that, um, that attitude that kind of says, you know, well, let's just do it. Let's, why can't we just do that? That sort of thing. And then I think, of course, uh, at least my generation and, and maybe us together are, are that fulcrum. We're in the middle. Mm-hmm. And we are, we are the people that hopefully have a little bit of both, you know, of the, what the older generation has and the newer and the younger. But um, we are, we are not, not necessarily controlling it, but we're, we're helping balance that, that situation out and, and make sure everyone is heard. So Definitely. Um, my big thing, you know, uh, definition, of course, but my, my main thing is the how. You know, once we have that definition, how do we get there? And, and you and I have talked about this before. And I've, all, I've chosen one word for it, and, and it's together. we got to yeah. do it with, uh, <laughs> you know, collaboration and unity and that. Um, of course, it's not always easy. We're probably going to talk about that stuff. Um, but to make it work, you know, a person has to be able to essentially take two ideas, opposing ideas, mm-hmm. and hold them in your, your head at the same time and, and give them both space to, to think about. And I think once you get there, once you can do that and kind of co- let them coexist and validate each other, then we can bring it all to one singular point and find a way forward. But it, it'll, it takes the opinions of, of everybody because we're all here. We're all here, you know, old, young, or otherwise. We're all on, on the earth together, and, uh, and all of our opinions should matter towards, especially you know, in our community, what it means for us. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I love that collective action is what we need. And uh, we really need to, um, well, I might have Colin cut this out. (laughs) What was I going to say? Yeah, we really need that collective action, um, thinking toward the future. And uh, I'm going to have Colin cut that part out. (laughs) I like, I totally had a good train of thought and then I forgot it. I, I think the biggest part of it, like I was saying with the generational part, is I, I don't want someone to say I can't mm-hmm. because of this or I don't have enough I don't have enough of a voice. And I, I think it's our job to, uh, as that fulcrum, to provide voice, voices both ways. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so we really need some collective action. And then we also need to adapt. We can't yeah. keep going the way we're going. We need to see some change in our life. And it's positive change for us, for the planet, for the economy. Yeah. So I wanted to jump into how I view sustainability. I love hearing Ooh, your I'm definition. Ready. So mine, it's not really like <laughs> choosing a word or a phrase. It's more so like a visualization. So let me try to describe okay. this to you, Andy. Let's do it. So I here's how I view things. We each live in our own little bubbles, okay? Now, in our consumeristic society, 
we are told to only focus on ourselves and what's inside our bubble in that moment. So for example, I need a new pair of shoes. I'm gonna choose the pair of shoes that are the most comfortable for me in my price range mm -hmm. and look the best and feel the best. I'm gonna bring those into my bubble and that's is what is gonna satisfy me in that moment. So that's the like the consumeristic society. Yes. Now if we start living sustainably, this bubble kind of pops and we realize that we are actually one small piece of this big puzzle that we call planet Earth. So now we can start focusing on, okay, I'm not focusing just on my bubble anymore. I'm focusing on what's outside my bubble. So, okay, I need a new pair of shoes. Where are those shoes made? How far do they have to travel mm -hmm. to get to me? What materials go into those shoes? And, hey, these shoes aren't going to last forever. Five or ten years down the road when I'm done with these shoes, what's going to happen to them? Do they go in the landfill? Can I recycle them? Can I repurpose them? What can I do with these shoes? So I think once we pop our bubbles and we realize that we are just one small piece, we're not on top of the world, above everything, we are one small piece of this big complex puzzle, we can start to think about how our actions impact the world and society and economy and not just how they impact us. That's kind of how I view sustainability. Alrighty, so I think we've covered kind of my visualization of sustainability, your official definition, which I love, and then we have the United Nations definition. Yep. Now, there's actually a lot more to sustainability. There's something called the triple bottom line. So there's three pillars that make up sustainability. Those are environment. So that's the obvious one, right? We have the environment. <laughs> yes. Like when you say the word sustainability, No people, points for guessing that one, oh, right. No People points. are like, oh yeah, you know, sustainability, I'm gonna say no to plastic bags. I'm gonna clean up trash yeah. in the park. I'm gonna get solar panels on my house. So yeah, the environment pillar, super clear to everyone. But there's two other pillars to sustainability. And without them, sustainability would crumble to the ground. So those are society and economy. Or if you want um, a little phrase for this, people, profit, planet. So the three Ps that make up sustainability. Okay. And without each of these working in harmony, sustainability won't work. Because we can't have an amazing environment without making sure our environmental work actually makes sense economically. If it's going to cost us a trillion dollars mm. to fix the environment, that's not going to work. And also, like, are we ensuring that our society has good well-being during this time as well are they healthy are they happy during this work to make the environment a better better place so i did a little homework for my uh, my uh, sustainability 101 class <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i did some google searching myself and i found that the uh, the triple bottom line was coined by a gentleman named uh, john elkington um, he was later coined as the godfather of sustainability and mm. but he coined that phrase in uh, 1994 but um, which kind of around your uh, it'd be interesting to see your, your tick on, you know, when he did his thing. Yeah. Um, uh, to see if Google had ticked up in there. Um, but he actually uh, following this a little further, uh, John actually recalled his own his own uh, phrase, his own initiative oh, in, uh, in like 2018. He did it through a, huh. a Harvard Business Review article. And uh, he's kind of treated it like a product recall for anything like you you put something out there and it gets out to the world it gets out to the masses mm -hmm. and they get a hold of it and then you reevaluate it again like we were talking about and he found out that it wasn't being used quite like he wanted it to be probably says being overused right, right? <laughs> he called for like a reclassification you know a, a reclarification if you will um because he felt like it had become uh only an accounting tool so maybe focusing mm. on that economic side only and that because you know those are like we were talking about earlier too and i like measuring that's that's things you can measure maybe measure easier than the other ones for uh, sure not so much that you can't measure the other ones but it's just easier to say i spent this or it cost that and it saved me this mm -hmm. type of thing so um i don't think anyone's necessarily to blame but it became 
uh, much more of a, just a financial or economic tool than what he thought what it was it was really meant for. Yeah, and that's really interesting because I do know that based on the research I did, triple bottom line did originate as a framework for businesses. Yeah. Because think about it, businesses love to just focus on profit, 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 right? But if we then give them the triple bottom line, they're then forced to think about the well-being of their customers and their impact on the environment while they're gaining their profit. So I think that's where that came from. And maybe John Elkington didn't like that focus on business and profit and he wanted to see it expanded further yeah i think it's nice that he's continually in it you know it's one thing to drop oh, a, yeah. drop a coin <laughs> phrase or an initiative it's another to continue to refine it right because he could have been like oh my work's done i yep. made the word yep. it's shooting yep. up now <laughs> print some t-shirts we got it yeah um, but you know in that same article uh there were he, he cited because john had wrote this article for the business review um that there was a ceo in denmark i forget the name of the company but they they used uh he's his his words in it and the ceo had said that you know the the triple bottom line if you can um basically move forward provide progress on two of the two of the spheres two of the circles two of the elements and then not change the other one mm. you're doing pretty good it's, it's success okay. um, of course you know the the best the best development the greatest development would be to find progress in all three of them right but as we are talking about it's hard so um but john went you know went on to sum up further uh, from those those words from that CEO that it's uh, as a as a company that was like you said it was, it was related to, to companies and that but I think it's related to us of course personally as well that you should be uh, best for the world and not best in the world so mm, um, I like think that. I liked it too I thought it was mm -hmm. I thought it was nice I thought it summed up uh, his product recall it, you know the, the refocusing that um, to be best for the world I thought that was really nice so I have a question for you. We've been talking about adaptability and change and kind of evolution with this word sustainability and our actions. Do we think the triple bottom line should be changing at all? Are there more than just those three pillars that make up sustainability? Okay, so I've also been doing some stuff on that. You know, like <laughs> I said, I, I, I like uh, like diving into things. Um, I've been reading some articles. There was one um, specifically Actually, t probably two. There, there are two different ones that I could probably highlight. I won't say the names or anything, but they were. Um, one was talking about. Well, they were both talking about culture, and uh, and pulling that out of like the societal element. And that um, one thought culture, as if you pull it out, should be uh, all encompassing. Should be mm -hmm. all the way around all of these things. Um, and then the other, of course, this was good that I, I found it uh, just through some searching, but um, that they thought it should be just nested inside of the societal. So if you had, okay. if you had, you know, like nesting dolls or something, the environment's on top and you keep stacking down, um, that culture should be on the inside. So it's a little bit different because if it was all the way around the whole thing, you know, you're going to be, uh, that's even further than the environment because, mm. you know, um, it's, it's almost the, the highest level, if you will. And then uh, the other one is that we should still include it, but it's in here and they work their, their way back up. So I kind of wanted to get your your take on that, you know, because I think uh, culture is a, a big, expansive topic too. It is a really big one, yeah. And I think, I think culture can sometimes really help us to move forward with sustainability, but I also feel like culture can sometimes be a barrier to us moving forward. I think... Um, like I said, I mean, culture is kind of kind of expansive. It's it's kind of our quite a large part of our human identity. It is it is, it is yeah. who we are, and um, you know when you pull something out from a group, like we were talking about, either if it's around everything, or otherwise you, you call attention to it, mm -hmm. and it it's that's a good thing. That's certainly fine, um, but it means that there has to be a direct consideration. You have to literally call it out by name. Have we have we satisfied this this part of this? Yeah. And um, so I think the challenging part is. Uh, 
and, and why culture can be a barrier is that it, it provides a, a lens, it provides a perspective, and I think sometimes that there can be choices made um, because that is the lens that you see things through. And you have to be able to open up maybe past your culture mm -hmm. sometimes to be able to see all the options, all the choices. Definitely. Um, uh, to, to, like we were talking about, uh, invite these opposing ideas into your brain and let them sit there and stuff for a little bit. We, were, uh, we have the fortune to travel, and we've been to some places uh, where, you know, around the, around the lunch hour, they, uh, the shops close. And, and people go, you know, the shop owners go, they probably have lunch, right, or go do mm -hmm. something else. And, um, you know, we were, we were walking down the streets, and it's like, here we are. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's lunchtime. We're going to grab a bite to eat, and then we're going to go shopping. And all the shops were closed. Mm. Um, <laughs> but that's just strange because we don't do it here. Right, you know? not so in American we, culture. We're yeah, open 24-7. So, right, <laughs> right I'm, and I'm guilty of it, too. I go to shopping places at, uh, late at night. I'm a night person anyway, but sometimes you, you need that something. Right. And, um, but... I think there is there is merit to that taking a break and stuff, and it and it works for them. So it's only weird because we haven't haven't seen it or don't operate that way. But it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it bad, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think we can really learn from other cultures, and cultures can learn from us too. We're all we all have parts of our identity that are really good for the environment right now, really good for society and our economy. So can we kind of collectively create this like larger encompassing culture for our world that has this lens of sustainability? Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. And then within that, we can still have bits and pieces of our, of our own identity and our own culture in America and other countries around the world. I think so, too. I, I think, uh, I don't know if, if people are nervous about it, that the fact that we would become one culture, one homogeneous, you'd lose everything. And I don't think that's, that's what we're saying. I, I, uh, I think it's always important to celebrate where you're from, where yeah. you're, what your heritage is, whether that's through food or music or art and stuff. It, it provides that that culture and America just happens to be one of many cultures, you know, mm -hmm. and I Definitely. think that's all important to celebrate. It's I important agree. To consider. Yeah, we got to be confident enough to question our culture if there's something that yes. we don't think is the best for that triple bottom line. Yes. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Are there more? Are there any? I mean, yeah. is there like, uh, we're going to go, is there a six, I mean, you know, people probably yeah. took John Elkington's thing and they ran with it. Yep. So I'm wondering, you know, if that's four, that's probably quadruple are we at a quintuple are we at what yeah, is it like sextuple or yeah, centuple quadruple, bottom yeah. line i've seen a lot i've seen four and five pillars and there might even be more so going back to the three p's people profit planet i did see a fourth p called purpose okay what's that one about so purpose is all about what is our motivation behind our actions like you need to have a really good purpose if you so like with these businesses that now are kind of being forced to abide by the triple bottom line okay. like you don't want them to feel like they're just doing this because they have to you want them to feel passionate about yeah. meeting the objectives of the triple bottom line and ensuring that they're being great stewards of the environment and the economy and society. So I think having a really deep purpose behind it can make everyone uh, move forward in their journey of sustainability a lot more smoothly. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen that, but let's let's wait and see what else comes out with the. Seriously, we'll be know, at ten at some point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think we've really talked a lot about the word sustainability, its history, where it came from, what makes what makes this word up. But I want to move now into action. You know, now that we understand sustainability, what can we do to kind of help move this initiative forward? Um, now, something I've noticed is there's this big discussion on do we as individuals actually have an impact on the environment, a positive one? Or mm. are there so many of us humans on this earth that one person won't make a difference? So what I'm seeing is 
a lot of times if there's people who aren't living sustainably and they're asked why, they'll say, oh, well, I won't make a difference. It's on big corporations and big government to make changes. They're the biggest polluters, so they should be the ones taking okay. a lot of action. But then I've also seen the flip side. Are you familiar with carbon footprints? Yes, like some. Yeah. You have a carbon footprint, I have a carbon footprint. That actually originated from really big gas and oil companies. They wanted to push the responsibility off of themselves. So they told everyone, hey, you actually have a big carbon footprint. Figure out what that is and then find out how you can cut back on that. Okay. So they kind of pushed it on us. Like, no, we're going to sit back and keep doing our oil and gas production. And you need to be the change. Hmm. So I've seen both sides of that. And I was wondering, Andy, do you think we as individuals actually make a difference? Or is it on governments, or should it be a collective action? I think you do have to be the change, um, but it is a it is a relationship. Um, businesses need us, and we need businesses. The businesses sometimes have more resources that way, um, but the little stuff matters because the little I think even businesses started small. I mean, mm -hmm. I, um, they all had to start somewhere, type of thing, and they grow, and hopefully their identity. If it was a sustainable one, continues that way, you know, and it's it's uh, for business. It's providing that vision since the beginning or not. Um, but it is a transactional relationship, I guess. Yeah, I you know, agree. we um, <clears throat> if we want uh, if we buy more of things that that uh, are a certain way that companies will make more of those things type of deal. So very true. Um, we the do we do need each other, but we I think have more control as consumers um, than I think we believe. And it is a, a th I know you can feel, you know, like it's, it's just you, mm -hmm. but if you do something and then you tell someone else you did something and on and on you go, your community, um, the community turns into the county and the county turns into the state and on and yeah, on you, you go. So it. I think social media has uh, accelerated that, you know, things that were probably pockets of things, of initiatives or otherwise kind of, kind of gained more traction um, because... We are connected in that way and it can be quicker. So adoption of certain things, um, I saw it on this, mm -hmm. is definitely a deal. But um, I think individuals are probably the, the most important part. And I think we do have more control. Yeah, I agree. And I know you mentioned that, you know, businesses are, they base what they, what they do, what they produce on us consumers. Yeah. You know, if like we make the demand. And we're going to talk a little bit about that okay. in a bit. But let's go back just to like personal action. So... If all of us had the same mentality of my actions are meaningless, nothing would change. We would still be back at square one, right? Yes. So we need to make sure that we actually are, we see meaning in our action. I see meaning in my action. I'm sure you do too. I do. And it is making an impact. It might be a small one, but I think the bigger thing aside from just what are my actions doing directly to help the planet is my actions are actually inspiring others, like you said, on social media. So sometimes I'll be out and about and I'll have like, a sustainable product with me and people will say hey what's that sure i've never seen that that's super cool you tell it. me like what is and where'd you where'd you buy it like why why do you use this so i think that our individual actions can really inspire others it's kind of like the neighborhood effect if you put up solar panels on your house your neighbors are going to be like wow that's cool i want to go talk to them and learn about what they did and maybe get solar panels for my house so we are here inspiring others we're building a community and like you said as we keep you know inspiring others to take action we're gonna become a community of activists. We're going to become a state of people who yes. are pushing for sustainability and then a whole country. So I agree that individual actions really help to build momentum in this movement. I think momentum is a, is a very good word for it. Yeah, very true. So Andy, what are some things you're doing right now to make that impact on the earth? Okay, so I got some, some big and small ones. Um, I do do some composting. We, uh, uh, my, one of my children 
I kind of had science, you know, experiments and stuff through elementary school that kind of were dealing with composting and that. So we treated it a little bit like a science experiment back then. Um, so we have continued to do some of that on a little bit smaller scale, um, trying to do more, of course. Uh, we do a lot with like the eggshells and stuff. So uh, mm. knowing that those are good for the garden and because mm-hmm. um, I like gardening a lot. So to save save the eggshells, you know, crush them up and kind of work them into the soil and that sort of stuff um, to provide our, of course, garden plants and other plants some more nutrients. Yeah, awesome. Um, we did, uh, as a family, uh, purchase one EV um, for us. Yes. Which one do you guys have? Um, we have a, a Tesla Model Y, shameless Ooh, plug. Um, okay. But, yes, <laughs> uh, so it was through research, but it, it kind of brings us to the point of a little bit what you're talking about is that we saw someone with one. You know, yep. we said we like that. Um, and uh, it happened to be family members. So we got to go for a ride, how they're, how they're using it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, kind of not the first adopter. I wanted to see kind of how, how they live their lifestyle and stuff. But as a, as a commuter vehicle, it works very well for us. So we have, you know, children with activities. Um, my wife works in Madison. It works perfectly for that. So, um, but that was a, you know, kind of a, a major decision. It is a, it is a cost thing. Um, but along with that, uh, one of our, our biggest challenges, but it was a, this was a good change also, is we went on to a time of use rate. Um, Ooh, okay. So we did a rate comparison, not just because I work at the utility, but um, <laughs> we did a rate comparison and found out we could save money um, by going on a different rate that you pay a little bit more for an on-peak or when people are using your ener- the most energy and then paying less for off-peak. And this one in particular happens to be our program is uh, 8 to 8, so 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. So okay. it's, it's less expensive there. Yeah. So the challenge, of course, with a family of five was to get the full potential out of it. Mm. Um, kind of have to change some habits, you know. Right. Um, you can load the dishwasher maybe right after dinner, but you put like a timer on it for a couple hours later. And I'm not like, you know, uh, <laughs> heavy handed about it. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, like you turn on your ceiling side. fan. Yeah. Don't do it until eight. Right. You know? <laughs> um, but it is if you want to get the full potential out of it you you do have to make a couple different habit changes and that's all they are they're really just habits once you once you get into there i mean the rate comparison was based off of what we were already doing so that you already saw that you were if you would just do nothing else except what you were doing you would save money um but it can always be a little a little better right so maybe yeah you, yeah, you, you start the laundry at this time or something like that but that was probably the biggest family challenge you know that we had just because um i'm into it you know, and I think my, my wife is, of course, but the, the habit forming, you know, to show that you can you can do that is, is the biggest one. But yeah. uh, I mean, we've done pollinator plants and stuff, too. I, I like, uh, like I said, like gardening. So we've planted some pollinator plants. Um, I like to read books. So we've done I, I, I like to participate in the little library economy. I call oh, it, you I know, love that. yeah, um, do you guys have one outside your house? Uh, the east side of uh, Sun Prairie has quite a few. So I, te- okay. I don't want to I don't <laughs> quite like to load up just one at a time. Or yeah. The one in particular, because then I'm like, who's this guy that keeps you know, putting in stuff? Um, but we walk by them and it's happy to I'm happy to see what like when my books go away, you know, because I'm like, oh, that's somebody else. Somebody else thought that was cool. Um, so I I, uh, I like doing that. So I, I participate in that. I'll, I'll, of course, add my own and stuff, but take some from there. And I think that's kind of a, a neat way. I don't know if it quite fits under sustainability or not, but I thought just that whole reuse kind oh, of yeah. idea. You know? Libraries are one of the most sustainable entities we have. You know, we all keep reading the same books. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. 
And I feel like you've shared both big changes, like buying an EV, that's a big change. And that's like an expensive change, right? But then you also talked about really small changes and these all have such a positive impact. And I think the best part is you're like educating your kids and getting them on board with this because again, they're the next generation. Yeah, how about you? Do you got um, got any, uh, I'm sure you do, you know, (laughs) just by by title and by definition. Otherwise I'm fired, right? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll just share a couple of things I'm doing. So during COVID, that's actually when I switched to a completely plant-based diet. Okay. It was something that I never thought I would do. But I was like, I'm going to cold turkey, no pun intended, Ooh, no puns. <laughs> switch to a full plant-based diet. And I felt like I really had the time and space. I also was living with a roommate at the time who was plant-based as well. So she really helped me to ease right into it. Did so, she start at the same time or she was already? Oh, no, she's a okay. long-term vegan. Right, so right. it was awesome having her there. But yeah, I switched to a plant-based diet and that's been really awesome. Um, I haven't really had any issues with it. And then something else I do that's kind of smaller is I like to keep a set of utensils with me. So I have this little bag in my backpack and I have a fork, spoon, and knife in there. But I've expanded this little utensil set because pretty much the purpose here was when I was a college student, you know, you never go hungry on a college campus. There's free food literally <laughs> everywhere, right? Yes. Like there's mostly pizza, every day. but yeah, it's like you pizza, know. <laughs> hot dogs, like whatever. But I would always get frustrated because I'd be like, "Oh yeah, free food. I'm mm. gonna go take advantage of that." But then I'd be like, "Oh, there's like styrofoam plates and there's like plastic utensils. All this is just gonna be used for five minutes and then go in the garbage." So then I started this little collection of, "Okay, I'm gonna keep, you know, fork, spoon, and knife with me, and then maybe like a little Tupperware I could use as a plate." Okay. But then this collection started to grow. So now I have a straw with me but I don't just have any straw I have a metal straw that I can use for like a coffee drink I have a, a thicker straw I can use for smoothies and I have a bubble tea straw that I keep with me really? too. really so I have like all different kinds of straws so I'll be ready for any drink I get I also <laughs> have chopsticks with me so if I go out to get sushi I've got my chopsticks in my bag and I also have a couple other fun things in there but pretty much I've just built out this set based on what I like to go out to eat yeah of course and then now I can keep saying no to those plastic utensils or to you know disposable straws or to disposable chopsticks so that's just something small I've done I like to call it my zero waste survival kit okay. that I keep in my bag yes but I was gonna say zombie apocalypse or zombie bev- apocalypse, bev- yes. beverage apocalypse but <laughs> I will uh, be ready yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's just something else I do and then besides that um I like to move toward plastic-free living in my house, so I'm really close to a plastic-free bathroom right now, which is awesome. We can have a whole episode on that, so stay tuned. Yes. And then I'm also trying to buy secondhand whenever I can. Okay. So, yeah. But, okay, so Andy, you and I both have these awesome practices. There's obviously more we can do, and we've seen that our actions have inspired others. But there's still a lot of people who aren't living sustainable lifestyles right now. And, you know, the question is, if living sustainably was easy, everyone would be doing it but there's actually a lot of barriers i think in our society that almost create these like these walls for people where they they don't want to start living sustainably so i think we should talk about those you know let's let's be really clear about it it's not easy to live sustainably it's not so i think one of the first ones is the fact that and i actually found this list online the five biggest barriers to living sustainably so let's talk about those the first one is breaking old habits now i agree with this you have to break a lot of old habits to live sustainably so for example if you want to, you know, break up with plastic grocery bags, then when you're at the store, you have to break that habit of picking up the plastic grocery bag. Mm. But what I think actually is more important here is I think it's it's easy to break old habits. It's harder to establish a new habit. Yes. Because I can say no to a plastic bag any day, but if I don't have my reusable bag with me, I have like no other choice. So the harder habit is to actually make sure you always have a reusable bag with you at all times. Do you kind of agree with that? I do. I do. I think um, habit forming is, is difficult. Uh, I thought it was uh, important to put the toilet seat down in our household, you know, with uh, with uh, two daughters and my wife and stuff. So it was a little literal, purposeful 
change, mm-hmm. that you had to be intentional about it, much like the plastic bags and stuff. You know, you have to be intentional about, all right, I'm making sure I'm taking this with me, a reusable bag of some sort. Yeah. Um, I don't think you have to, like we were talking earlier, the small part, I don't think you have to take like a, an armful of them your first time. You know, no. I, need, I need 50 of these things. Um, take a couple. Yeah. That just means you're you're uh, you're not taking a couple plastic bags. Yeah, and it makes a difference. You know, and if you you like it, then you and you think it's all right and you can handle it. You go to three or something like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, habits are habits are habits for a reason, and it yeah. does. It takes a little bit of time, and you do have to be intentional about it. But if you have the right goals in mind, if you're like I am going to do this. Um, and you see why you see the benefit yeah you, know? you have that fourth p the purpose yes the it. purpose <laughs> the purpose yeah. just like how you guys had, cre- had to create that new habit of we are not going to run our appliances or start charging our car till 8 p.m yeah. so we can get those better rates yeah, yeah that was probably yeah. a big habit you guys had to form a lot of thought went into that um you know it's it's a lot it's a lot of me it's it's like we're talking about we're talking about uh, a life skill so i i know more of course because i'm i'm in the the utility side of things but um yeah, to show the kids, show Kari that it's not just not just dad being dad, you know, <laughs> that um, that there is some benefit to it and that it, it costs less, you know, money uh, for the electricity. But it's because um, we need to use that up, that we want to get rid of that. The energy is being generated all the time. Yeah. And so to uh, get rid of it and use it up uh, efficiently, we need people to use it in the off-peak times, too. And it made sense for our family. Like I said, we did a, a, the rate comparison and stuff, and I would uh, – I don't know if it's a it's a question, but there is a probably a point for people that a certain dollar amount isn't enough to switch or something like that. Mm, but mm-hmm. um, you know whether that's ten dollars a month or five dollars, whatever that is. But that's based on your your current situation. So if you right. think you can get better, it's it's only going to get better, like I said, but or like we said, by changing those habits. Exactly, so. that's so true. And I think you just brought up something good about the price point of things. So barrier number two is cost, pricing, and accessibility. So I get that not everyone can buy an EV right now. Not Mm -hmm. everyone can put solar panels on their house. Even if there is a good payback there, it's that initial upfront price tag that kind of turns people away. So what do you think of that? Um, I think convenience is definitely (laughs) a thing for, um, for, for everyone and families especially, and it does make it hard uh, when you go to the store and you're like, oh yes, I'd like to do this. And it costs more knowing Mm -hmm. that you're going to use a lot of whatever that is. Um, I think you do have to uh, pick and choose sometimes, you know, to have all for, especially for a family is probably difficult. Um, But like you said, with the the EV, we we made a a choice on it and, but we we analyzed it a lot. We did a, a lot of thoughtfulness about it. We didn't want to be just part of the fad sort of thing. We did look into, you know, how things are made and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, and I think those are the places that you do get behind because you are, you are supporting things by buying them. So if you really believe in something, like I said, it doesn't have to be all of them, but you're like, I really think this is important and I want to see more of this. I think those are the ones that you, you push your money towards. That's so true. Yeah, I think I have a purpose behind it. Don't just do it because everyone else is doing it. But also, you know, sustainability, like we mentioned, forces us to think into the future. So mm-hmm. always think about, like, is there a payback period here? I remember I bought this pack of reusable Ziploc bags. They're, like, made out of really thick silicone. We have a I few have four of, of them. Yeah. Love them, right? I just wash and reuse them. I've been using them for six years. I did a quick cost analysis. I was like, I'm going to spend $10 on these four bags up yes. front. But that means I'm never, ever going to buy Ziploc mm-hmm. bags again. So think about the cost savings, especially if you have kids and you're always making lunches for them. Like, there's a lot of cost savings there. So I think think about the ROI and establish your purpose behind this. Yeah. 
And you also brought up barrier number three because you had mentioned. I'm not doing this on purpose, <laughs> by the way. You guys. <laughs> yeah, Andy's just I'm at just, it today. I'm just yes, I'm caffeinated. It's, yeah, it's happening. So yeah, barrier number three is convenience and availability. So I get it. Like like I said, I I bring my own utensils places. But why do that when there are utensils available, like at fast food restaurants, at all these events? Like, there's stuff there. Why should I bring my own? Or why should I go to the thrift store to find, you know, a new pair of pants Mm -hmm. when, you know, I can't guarantee there's going to be pants there that I like. I can just go to Target and there's going to be a really convenient pair of pants available to me that I can just buy instead. So, like, I totally get point number three. I think this is one of the biggest barriers is like, oh, convenience is my priority, not living sustainably. You know what I Mm, mean? I do. Um I shot myself in the foot on the convenience <laughs> part. I said everything I want to about convenience, but it is it is true. Um, it's not like we said. COVID did a nice job of, of reforming, but um, our our society, our culture is very much a, a feedback. I got to do this quick. Yeah. I got other things to do. Right. Type of thing. But that just means that those products, I think, have to get out there more. And so that involves your your larger companies to put those products um, front and center a little bit more. I think it's on on uh, maybe us or, you know, as the, the city and stuff in general to help show people what these are available. Because some of that, I think, is that you just just don't know. I mean, if I knew that this was uh, more sustainable and it was a dollar more and it was right next to the other one, <laughs> I mean, humans, are like I said, we're just, we want convenience we, because it's it's not the most important thing we can do sometimes. And I think that's part of the sustainability momentum is we have to show that it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, for the future and that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. And I like to encourage people to think about the triple bottom line when you're making a purchasing decision. Like, is it convenient to you? Yes. Is it convenient to your wallet? Yes. But is it convenient to the environment? If you say no to that, then maybe rethink what you're buying. Maybe look for an option that is convenient for the environment. And by that, I mean something that won't end up in the landfill in two seconds and will actually help to make a more beautiful planet. Alrighty, so the fourth barrier to living sustainably is the herd mentality. Now, Andy, you... I don't think I covered this one yet, so I'm good. You did, you did, <laughs> did briefly I? mention it. Nuts. You've, like, you've hit the nail on the head, but pretty much the herd mentality is we don't want to be the first person or the last person doing something. We want to be nice and safe in the middle. Yeah. So, Andy, you guys waited to buy an EV until you kind of saw people getting into EVs. Then you guys did your research. Then you decided to make that purchase. So herd mentality, that's another huge barrier here, and it's really relatable. You don't want to be the first one to jump into buying solar panels. You know, what if they don't work? No, but someone should, you yeah, know, and that's, someone has that's, to. Um, that's kind of part of, I think, where where um, maybe we lie as, as companies or something like that. Um, we we have some of those resources to show. I'd love to do, I know we talked about this, I'd love to do uh, a model home of some sort, a model home project where we can show people, like you s- just said, come on in, Let's here's this sustainable something. Um, or we did, you know, the grass, we did this in a sustainable way or whatever it is mm-hmm. as part of this, this house and this product and stuff that people could see that it works. I think apprehension is there is certainly fine. It's a change, you know, yeah. and um, you're exactly right. I, I, there does have to be the, the beginning people, you know, and uh, some people do like that. They want to be on the cutting edge, but they also deal with the hiccups along the way and stuff. Right. I mean, even our, our vehicle, there was a, a couple small issues in the manufacturing, like the hood wasn't quite quite right mm. me like the actual hood coming down it was yeah. shifted it was like ever so slightly you know and they've ironed those those parts of their process out okay um but yeah then there's the middle of course they're like all right somebody went first yeah we're nice and safe yep. in the middle yep <laughs> and then there's the last of like well uh, everyone else is doing it you know but i've never never been there well 
course, in the high school and stuff, you are, you know, I think just by uh, the, the generational and the, the mindset of stuff that you're going through in high school, it is more of that herd mentality and stuff. But as I've grown older, um, I've just kind of more done done me, I guess, to probably oh, yeah, kind of phrase, sure. you know, and um, and do things I do because I've, I've looked at them and I've analyzed them and tried to do some pros and cons and make the best choice choice for us. And it may not be may not be the normal choice, the safe choice. It may be a little weird, but, you know, I, my uh, my middle daughter, uh, we she came home. She likes to have a snack after school and stuff. And she came home, and we have, like, salami coins, you know, for our charcuterie boards and stuff. So she she went to the, the baking, uh, you know, cabinets and stuff and got out cinnamon and sugar, put that in a bowl, and then uh, put that on top of her salami oh, and wow. ate it for a snack. That was it, right? And so I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, <laughs> She could be on the verge of a, you know, a culinary revolution. Oh, yeah. You know? Next so, big thing. Right? So I, she's like, do you want one? I said, sure. So I tried. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't okay. bad. But, you know, it's, it's only weird until you try it. Or true. Whatever, Very you know, true. Ketchup and eggs, whatever else. Ketchup and anything, you know. Um, that's, that's part of, like, opening your mind up to stuff, I guess. And it's only maybe labeled weird or not normal or something because you haven't seen it or you haven't experienced it. And then maybe once you do, you're like, Actually, I like cinnamon sugar on my salami mm, coins, and yeah. now that's going to be on, you know, Andy's uh, charcuterie board next time. Oh, whatever. yeah. All the kids will <laughs> want know? that in their lunch boxes, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, was, it was something. It, it was a very good metaphor. It was literally only like a week ago, so it was right before this, <laughs> awesome. this, uh, this stuff. Yeah, I agree. Be open-minded and, again, have that purpose behind things, and then you won't feel like you have to always stay part of the herd. But also, as we move forward, the herd mentality is going to help us go green quickly. We already have all those people who took that first step to buy yes. EVs to get solar, and now that's blowing up everywhere. So I think that's really going to help us in the long run. You think we're in the middle? Like, you know, we've had the early adoption <laughs> stuff. I mean, obviously, there's technologies that have to still come and all that stuff, but are we in the middle of the sustainability momentum type of thing yeah you know what just yesterday i was at the transportation and innovation expo at the alliant energy center and people kept saying we are in the messy middle of mm, electric vehicles middle. and renewable fuels so i think we're somewhere in the middle here we've established what's going to work now we just have to start adopting it and ironing out those those issues we're, we're seeing Alrighty, let's move into the very last barrier okay. to sustainability. So the, the last barrier, and this one's kind of interesting, it's feelings of shame or humiliation mm. at being different. Now this one, I feel like this is the least relatable. I know we had talked about, you know, in high school, you don't necessarily want to be that weird yeah. person being different. But in my day and age as an adult, I don't really feel shame or humiliation for living sustainably because I know that's the right thing to do for me and for the environment and for society. I think... Um just like we were talking about, the, my generation and maybe maybe older and stuff don't have that that feeling as much and stuff. I do think it's in the younger generation. So this is where the uh, the seesaw part, you know, comes back into play. We have to help balance that out uh, for the younger generation and with them to know that um, you know it's okay to make these choices and I think to tell people about them. So if instead of uh, you know they may get whatever say a scenario they get called oh my gosh you have this that's so weird and it's like well actually. Uh, it does this, or it saves the environment, or it costs uh, costs less, or I, I like it because it you know keeps my drinks cold, or mm -hmm. I want to have a bubble tea straw. You guys don't <laughs> have a bubble tea straw, and like you said, you're almost you're almost switching the narrative to be that the the other side of the herd. I guess you're creating your own herd, like you said. Oh yeah. And before you know it, everybody's got a bubble tea straw you know? <laughs> in their back pocket. That's yeah, it. I love that for sure. Yeah, have a reason behind what you're doing, and then be willing to share that with others and inspire them. Yeah. All right, Andy, so we've talked a lot about what we can do as individuals, but earlier we had briefly mentioned that, you know, businesses and corporations still play a big role in this. They sure do. And we influence what they do. 
So the second thing that we can do to live more sustainably is to vote with our dollars. So in this day and age, the US dollar is one of the most powerful, powerful tools that we have to live more sustainably. Now, what I mean here is that every day when we're going out to buy something, we get to make a decision of who we want to support with our money. Yes, who do we like want we to give our money about. to? Yeah. yeah, what businesses do align with our values? And then we can choose to support those businesses that are being good stewards of the environment or are reducing their pollution. Mm -hmm. And if we keep giving money to those other corporations who are just, you know, doing their same old thing, not really caring about the triple bottom line, then they're going to say, yeah, I'm still getting money from these consumers. I don't need to change anything about my business. Right. So voting with our dollars is such a big thing we can do right now. It's part of that um, that individuality you were talking about. I mean, that you're you're not any anything you do that way to support, mm -hmm. and then you tell your friends about it, <laughs> you know. And it's it, it it's a movement, like you said, it's momentum. Yeah, we want these companies to feel pressure, like oh oh no, I'm losing a ton of business. It's because you know everyone's flocking to this other company that's has like climate pledges, I need to be more like them. And then yeah. we will see change that way in that in that bigger corporation. The corporate herd mentality, I guess. Right? Ooh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. So Andy, are there any, you know, brands or businesses that you're currently supporting because they are climate friendly? So we have used um, a place called the Grove Collaborative. It's a website. Mm, yep. <laughs> um, you've, you've probably heard of it. I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. I've, tr I've tried um, them out. Yeah, so uh, they... They do something I think that um, we were looking for as a family where I, I you don't know, you, uh, do you have the time to put in all the, the work and effort to make sure these things are exactly what you're looking for? So they have a process where they do vet the products um, for you and that, and so that's just a whole, whole list of products that they've looked at and they're like, yep, this aligns with uh, sustainable practices. You know, awesome. they have uh, plastic and carbon neutral and then um, the Grove Collaborate actually has like an ingredient standard and stuff as well. Ooh, so okay. That's you can really go important. on there and, and feel feel good that you, you know, have actually put your dollars towards the exact thing. And it's not just the word like we were talking about. Um, so we're trying, uh, like I said, all this is just options and choice and stuff. We're trying uh, laundry sheets. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of look like a like a dryer <laughs> sheet. They're a little thicker. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're trying them now. They do. They soap up. You know, they clean stuff. Um, awesome. But we are, are trying those as a as a as an initiative, and we'll see. You know, just like you said, it's a, it's evaluating the cost and how many loads we get out of this stuff. You know, and is it is it doing what we need to do? Um, but local business wise, you know, the uh, like I said, I had the pleasure of living downtown. You know, uh, in the be very beginning of my my uh, residency here and stuff. But the uh, the downtown has come a long way, and it's very very it vibrant. Um, I we enjoy going down there now, especially. It's almost it is our choice, and it's kind of it's kind of nice we've gotten to that point where um, on a Thursday evening when the kids are in uh, activities and stuff, that my wife and I can just go down and you know uh, do a little shopping and have Aww, some so dinner nice. and stuff, a little date night, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but it's because we have we have local businesses that are that are. Uh, that are really great support the community backwards as well of course and yeah, uh, and sure. the farmers market is is something that talk about momentum i think that one is 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 gaining quite a bit of momentum it seems to always be getting more popular all right i got to hear him what <laughs> what do you what do you do you know you like i said you're you're living the lifestyle anyway so what kind of uh, what kind of brands in that or or websites or other things have you yeah, kind of I'll just i'll mention one brand here so i like to use blue land cleaning products they're essentially uh, completely plastic-free cleaning products. So the idea is instead of going out and buying, let's say, a new bottle of, let's say, Windex to clean your mirrors, okay. so you're buying the plastic bottle and the, the formula inside, 
With Blueland, you just are buying a tablet, so concentrated, you know, Windex formula sure. that you can then add to your own bottle that you keep reusing, fill it with water, and then boom, you have your Windex or your cleaning product. So I've really committed to Blueland so I can help achieve that plastic-free bathroom yeah. I was talking about and plastic-free cleaning products. So I've been supporting them. And then something else just in general is I'm trying to buy fair trade chocolate products. So You're I speaking my language already. Yeah, I, I like chocolate. <laughs> yes, chocolate's so good. But I also love, <laughs> I love baking with it, right? So okay. I'm trying to buy the fair trade cocoa powder, fair trade chocolate chips, baker's chocolate. And then if I want my own chocolate just to eat, then I'll buy fair trade as well. And the reason for that um, is I used to live in Costa Rica, and they're a really big exporter of chocolate. They treat all of their um, their workers fairly there, but there's other countries that don't do the same thing. So when I really got to see and experience what does the chocolate industry look like in Costa Rica versus other places, it really, like, like I was able to define a purpose of I need to support these chocolate farmers that are being fair and equitable to their employees. So that's why I buy fair trade now. Okay, so do you think that, that fair trade just – briefly you know is a, a buzzword too or is there a, a better stewardship i guess around fair trade because you do see a lot of that and like oh fair trade i don't know what that is yeah um, there is an official like certification for fair trade where they do a really rigorous review process of these farms or whatever else is trying to earn that certification so i think it is a buzzword but i do think there's a lot more like clarity around sure. it so you're not getting tricked into buying a fair trade product that's actually not yeah, fair trade yeah yeah, yeah. All right, Andy, so we've talked about what you and I are doing. So just briefly, I want to hear a little bit about what Sun Prairie Utilities is doing. Could you name one thing that your utility company is doing to help um, move sustainability forward? Sure. We've come to the Sun Prairie Utilities part of the program. Yes. Um, so, yeah, sure. Um, one thing I guess we're doing is uh, we have a street lighting initiative. So ever since uh, probably 2018, I think, uh, Coincidentally, when, when I started started up, up front, we've been uh, having an initiative where we go around to every uh, road project that happens in the city, and we uh, part of that is replacing, you know, as they replace the roads and, and curbs and stuff, to also go in and, and replace the, uh, the lighting fixtures in there before they were high-pressure sodium and uh, change them to an LED fixture. And that was going pretty well. You know, we had a systematic approach to it and stuff. But um, recently, we uh, received some grant funding with the, with the city's help and stuff. Um, to accelerate that process. So we are uh, next year going to be uh, more aggressively replacing those uh, LED fixtures. Awesome. Um, or I should say old fixtures, two LEDs. And um, I think that's, that's great. I, th I think that's a good use of, of federal funding in that way and stuff to kind of kind of juice up your, your stuff you were doing already. Yeah, you know? I agree. And yeah, I think streetlights are on majority of the time, so let's make those as energy efficient as possible. I'll just say two quick things the city of Sun Prairie is doing is we did install 67 kilowatts of solar on our city hall. Yes, you did. So, yep, so you were right there with us in that process. Yeah. So we're able to generate renewable energy for city hall. And we also, just about two months ago, installed a level two charger at City Hall. Yeah, so I helped now, with that one too. <laughs> yes, yeah, Andy's been playing a big part in this. Yes. But yeah, it's open to the public right now and it's free. So if you want to head over to City Hall and charge your car, you are 100% welcome to do that. So yeah, it's not just us here taking action, it's also our cities and our entities that are working toward this, as well as the, you know, the county and the state and um, the country as a whole. So just to kind of wrap things up, Andy, do you have any tips for someone, just tips in general for someone who might want to start living more sustainably? There's so many resources out there. You know, what's a good starting place for them? Yeah, I think um, there's a comedian and his name was uh, Pete Holmes and he had a stand-up routine and stuff about this, but it was, uh, he, he coined it, so I didn't want to coin it myself. He was like, he said, zoom out, like, mm. you know, as a person, just zoom out. And I think that's a, that's a big first step 
is to open yourself up to what it's like outside your bubble, right? Burst yep, your, burst burst your, your bubble. intentionally burst your bubble <laughs> um, to, to get outside of that and to ask questions in that. Um, because, you know, once you, once you do that, you're going you're gonna to realize, I think, what it really means to live here, however far that here got zoomed out to, you know, um, just to ask that question, what does it mean to live here? What does it mean to live here in my house, in my, in my city, in my state, whatever? Um, but I love that. like we've been talking, you know, uh, starting small is, is still starting. So it doesn't have to be a huge, splashy thing. Um, this sustainability journey, you know, is something we'll, we, you and I, we'll probably never see the the end of you know we're thinking we're thinking (laughs) thousands of years course into the future yeah um so we can just focus on on the steps that we're taking you know sometimes you you, you'll peek up at the horizon you know i make sure i'm i'm going the right way or i've got to change because there's something you know obstacle in the way and you're adapting like we were talking about um you can't always see the end but i think that uh making those those small changes those those one reusable bag Mm -hmm. um the maybe the bandolier of of uh you know survival kit stuff um it could be just as simple as yeah you just take a straw to places that you like sipping beverages uh, for sure um those things aren't meaningless they are they are uh they are providing a purpose if anything they're they're pushing you forward and then like you said the herd we push each other forward and before you know it um everybody's moving in the same direction absolutely yeah you're always making a difference I would say my biggest tip is please inform yourself, you know, watch documentaries, listen to podcasts, read books, read the newspaper, research brands, companies, and corporations, talk to family and friends who are living more sustainably. Just inform yourself. You can then define your purpose and then yeah. you can start living more sustainably. I mean, even, even the city's website has, uh, has some good stuff. I was we on, do, yeah. So on there the other day, I watched a lawn video that was linked there from the EPA and stuff Ooh, about, okay. about watering and, um, yeah. and the right way to water and that. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. That's awesome. And then I think the last thing is, you know, you can start today. You don't have to wait. You can start today. You can say no to that plastic bag or you can, you know, bring your reusable straw or, you know, start looking into getting EVs, whatever it might be. Put your old book in the little library. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right. So that kind of wraps up our conversation for today. Andy, thank you so much yeah, for you all bet. your time. This was fun. This was so fun. That's I loved great. having you as our very first guest ever on this podcast. We did podcast. it. We did yes, it. We made successful. It so I just want to tell everyone, be on the lookout for future episodes. In December, we are going to have an episode focused on how you can have a sustainable holiday celebration. So kind of, you know, breaking down that like that traditional cultural approach and focusing mm-hmm. on new ways we can reduce waste and energy around the holidays. And then in 2024, we're going to cover a ton of niche topics related to sustainability. So composting, rainwater management, solar energy, bird safe buildings, things like that. So all the things we're going to get into it. I'm looking forward to listening to them as well. So I'm excited. Yeah. So stay tuned and thank you everyone so much for listening today. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sustainable Sun Prairie with your host, Rose Daly. I hope you enjoyed this episode and uncovered something new about sustainability. As always, you can subscribe to our podcast and listen anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and you can listen live on 103.5 FM The Sun, WLSPLP, and on demand on the Sun Prairie Media Center app. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, as well as our contact info, please visit the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.